in the name of Jesus. It was a little over 100 years after the flood, the global flood. I doubt you remember it, you're not old enough, but perhaps, just perhaps, you've heard about it and read about it. God found the whole world, the people in it, to be sinful. Only eight remained, eight out of the whole world that still had faith. Noah, his wife, Ham, Shem, and Jepheth, his sons, and their three wives, eight of them. And so God sent a flood to cover the whole earth, 15 feet over the highest peak. The water came, but God yet preserved Noah and his family, believers and all, eight souls in all he saved by means of the ark, just as baptism yet saves you. And so you would think after all of that, that Noah and his family, all his descendants, would be the soundest, most fervent devotees to the one true God, to faith itself. But they, like you, were yet sinners, had doubts, had fears, had worries. And as a snowball starts rolling down a hill and gets bigger and bigger and bigger, such is the problem with sin when it goes unchecked. Of the three sons, Ham was the one who saw his father have a little too much Lutheran beverage, who saw his father lying uncovered there in the tent. It was Ham who hammed it up and made fun of dear old dad. And it was Ham who had a grandson by the name of Nimrod, Nimrod, which has two meanings, one, a mighty hunter, the second one, for some of you older folks, might have grown up with it, an inept person. Don't be a Nimrod, Grandma grandma would often say. Nimrod, the grandson of Ham, was not only a mighty warrior, he was just not a nice guy. He conquered all of his family. He conquered all the tribes. He gathered them together. And it was Nimrod that the city, the Tower of Babel, is first attributed. He gathered all of them together to build now a city for themselves, which may not sound so bad, except that if you read the story of the flood, you'll see what God tells Noah and his family immediately after the floodwaters have receded. He says, go forth, disperse over the face of the earth, be fruitful and multiply. But Nimrod and his followers wanted nothing to do with God's promises. Instead of dispersing and being fruitful and multiplying, they wanted to make a name for themselves. Forget about God's name. Forget about the truth that God has spoken or has done. I'll make my own way. I'll make my own truth. I'll decide what is right and wrong. So in our Old Testament text for today, folks, it's a hot mess. Not too different, perhaps, than what we live, than what we see than what is happening in many of our downtowns and cities. 
people who are making truth unto themselves, names unto themselves, justifying all sorts of sinful, horrid acts. Sinners have a history of doing just that. So why does it surprise us so much when we see it? Why are we so worried and fearful as well? For this, we need to be checked, lest our sin, our worry, our fear become a snowball that runs its course as it did some hundred years after the flood. They all had one language, we are told. That would have been Hebrew. And yet they had God's word, but they chose to reject that. They chose to reject his truth, and so instead they gathered together. They built a city. They built a tower, Bab Ali, which means gate of God, but in this case it's gate of lower G God, a gate for themselves to ascend up to heaven to show how strong and, and mighty they are. Many of our church fathers speak of the possibility that they They built the Tower of Babel so high because they forgot God's promise that He would never again flood the earth. And perhaps, just perhaps, if if this crazy God up there were to flood the earth again, we'll have a tower tall enough to rise above it. How easy it is to forget God's promises. To forget what He has done. To forget His Word and His truth. And God, of course, sees their sin, sees that they want nothing to do with Him or His name or to remember His promises. And so God says, let us go down, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God works in amazing and mighty ways, and I think perhaps this Tower of Babel, what we hear on Pentecost, often gets forgotten. Certainly you have heard of the global flood, but How much time and attention to what God did here at the Tower of Babel. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit comes down and there He scatters them. And not only does He scatter them to disperse them across the face of the earth so that they might be fruitful and multiply, but He also confuses their languages. No more do they speak one language, one common language. Matter of fact, we don't even know what Hebrew really sounds like. What we're taught at seminary or at universities and colleges is just a best guess at what the vowels would sound like. You do know one Hebrew word. It's a word that we sing now and that is sung in heaven around the throne of the Lamb. Luther and other church fathers often joked that the one language that will be spoken and sung in heaven will be Hebrew. We'll see. But you know that little word, Alleluia, do you not? That little word, Alleluia, that word that gives praise and honor to the Most High God, not praise and honor to ourselves, not to our name. And so God, who is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, this one true God is concerned lest snowballs start rolling down hills that lead to sin and unbelief. And so he comes down and he scatters them and he gives them all sorts of new, different languages. Want to know where all those came from all over the face of the earth? They came from the Most High God. And it was at that point that they had to leave off building the city. They could no longer talk to each other. No true progress can ever be made 
if it does not bring honor and glory to God and his name. God thwarts all sinners' attempts at self-justification, shows and proves that we need him, that we need all that he can and that he will yet do. Now, the amazing thing was even after the Tower of Babel and the whole city now was, was, was left off after the people were scattered, there were many other kings and rulers who came after Nimrod who tried to erect such towers, most of them in the common configuration known as a ziggurat. We found and excavated over 30 of these types of towers in modern-day Iraq and surrounding areas. Nebuchadnezzar II was... The next guy who tried to build a big one. And then it was Alexander the Great. But none of these are completely standing. After all, can man's accomplishments truly stand the test of time? What are the things that you look to and put your faith in here and now? Are you sitting at home praying each day, just waiting for a miracle of science and some sort of vaccine that will bring your life back to complete normalcy? Or do your prayers attend the Most High God of faith and trust that He will provide for you no matter what? Do you expect suffering to come your way? Or do you expect this life to be one of earthly peace? And so the question before us, in the midst of the Tower of Babel, in the midst of the times, the hot mess in which we live is, how can one have peace? I grew up (laughs) through the latter part of what's known as the Cold War. We had to do drills when I was in elementary and junior high. We had to hide under desks, worried about a nuclear attack from the Soviet Union. And playing there on MTV quite often was a music video by one of my favorite 80s bands, Genesis. This is the land of confusion, they sang. The land of confusion. Yes, this world, this earth is a land of confusion. You can see it. Civil unrest, cities burning, people scattered to their own homes, people doing what is right in their own eyes. Sounds exactly like what the Holy Spirit has inspired the prophets and the evangelists to write, to tell us to expect But yet we seem to be so caught by surprise when such things happen. Woe is me, we beat our chests. We become so afraid. You see, no tower, no human achievement, no human-made peace can ever last or truly reach God. As we learned last week when we talked briefly about truth, that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. We learn quite simply today that Jesus has come to be your strong tower. No longer a tower of confusion, of of babbling. No longer a tower built by Nimrods, but a tower built by the Most High God in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. And it is to Jesus whom the Holy Spirit now comes to testify to His incarnational presence for you here in the midst of a land of confusion. 
Jesus descends now from heaven. He comes to give you true peace. My peace I give to you, he says. My peace I leave with you. But it's not peace that we'll understand in the midst of the world. Oh no, it's a heavenly, sacramental peace. It's the peace of knowing who this Jesus is and what he has done for me, that in the midst of his descending from heaven, of connecting both heaven and earth, he comes to gather us together. Thus, our gospel text for today has been cemented with this Old Testament text of the Tower of Babel for a very simple reason. Though God scatters in the midst of sin, He yet gathers in the midst of the precious gospel. And if you feel like you're scattered with fear and worry, have no fear. For He has gathered you unto Himself. Your very life is hidden with Christ in God. Your very body that you sit there with in this pew, clothed, robed with the righteousness of Christ in the waters of holy baptism. And into the very mouth of your body, He gives His Son's precious body and blood. All these things to strengthen, preserve you, to give you a lasting peace for all eternity. Because you've been redeemed. You and me, Nimrods, all alike, have been bought back from sin, death, and the devil with the holy precious blood of this man God Jesus who squeezes all of that out of himself upon the tree that you may live and move and yet have your being and that the world may crumble around you that though you may one day in your very body draw a last breath you have life, you have peace and you have so much yet to look forward to You see, this is what the Holy Spirit testifies to. And in gathering God's people together, he does it through the precious gospel, which the apostles now miraculously speak in languages that they never studied. They had no Rosetta Stone. They had no fancy translating apps on their smartphones. The Holy Spirit came and enabled them to speak and preach this precious precious message of justification, of salvation through Jesus Christ, that the whole world now may hear in their own ears, in their own tongues, and give thanks to God that they may know the name of Jesus, that they would have the opportunity to believe and to likewise be saved. One truth One gospel, one means of salvation. We sing in one of our most loved hymns here at Advent, A mighty fortress is our God, a trusty shield and weapon. Ask ye, who is this? Jesus Christ it is. We couple that with Proverbs 18 verse 10, and we learn that the name of Jesus is a strong tower. A strong tower. That the name of Jesus is 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 what and who the righteous man runs to. That the name of Jesus is what shelters you and, and me in the midst of a land of confusion. And we continue to hear and remember the words of Jesus, such as those that tell us that in this world you will have trouble. But take heart. Take heart, your Lord and Savior says. 
Take heart, the Holy Spirit testifies to you through his word. Take heart, for I have overcome the world. You see, he's made you his bride. His one holy bride. And a husband's job is to lay down his life for his wife. And your husband, your Savior Jesus has done that for you. And you are now gathered together to be his bride, the church. He's given you forgiveness of sins, life and salvation, his very name, his very presence. And as we hear again from Scripture, in his presence, in his name, in the midst of the land of confusion in which we live, there is and will always be fullness of joy. God grant us a faith that trusts his holy word, that we may not be nimrods who forget what our God has done, that we may look forward to all that is yet to be, but that we may see, receive, and be sheltered in the strong tower of Jesus Christ, of his word and his sacraments. To this the Spirit testifies, even yet for you and for me. In the name of Jesus.